Hey guys, welcome to the MC Anime Podcast. We cover anime, geek culture, Japanese aesthetics, and Asian studies. We are a multi fandom podcast, and you can expect to hear topics in your favorite hobby or fandom activity potentially. You can find MC Anime on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Also, please check out mcanimepodcast.com, our website. Furthermore, stay tuned in for another episode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of MCMA Podcast. Today we have a really special uh, collaboration with Geek with Tyler. How are you doing today, Tyler? Hey Mason, thanks for having me on the show again. Thank you for being here. And uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and then we can go into today's episode. Okay, uh, for those of you that haven't heard of me, caught any episodes, etc, etc. As Mason said, I am the host of Geek Talk with Tyler. I am also subsequently the host of the Talk Geek with Tyler Brook live show. And I'm also one of the four giants, part of the Bad Head House Productions Slab Lounge. And join us, we do have some upcoming productions I think y'all might be interested in, if you like today's episode. Alright, further ado, today's episode is going to be Ben 10's Ranking Ben 10 Original 22 Aliens Part 1. And then Part 2 will be with Geek with Tyler on his podcast. Alright, so shall we get started? Yes, and uh, for the one ups that we have to talk about today, we have Spiddle, Upchuck, Way big, Ghost Freak, Rip Jaws, Buzz Shark, Heat Blast, Cannonball, Breaking Strike, Four Arms, and then Stink Fly. And do you want to explain the categories and how we rank the power scaling? Sure. Well, the whole thing was kind of meant to be a surprise to see who would rank where, but essentially, we have five categories we believed would be best as far as ranking goes. For any of you who've caught my the ranking episode uh the 12 talismans of shadu we don't just judge one thing when many people think of bed tens and aliens they think which one's the best in terms of combative uses so you're going to think aliens like forearms heat blast diamond head would be the best aliens and in that regard they are but as far as the others that's debatable we have the combative use everyday use versatility the hazard not just themselves but to everyone around them as well as the weaknesses we rank them one to five safer hazard and weakness in the case the less more the more weaknesses they have the lower their ranking and vice versa for the other way around at that note let's start off with number 22 yeah uh spittle is kind of interesting in this category being the lap for the number last one uh out of 22 spittle is really low for this for a really weird well spittle doesn't do much in it's competitive ability or everyday use vibe well i mean he'd sure. be a good bouncer if you're at a club or something yeah but other than that i really don't see much use for him. he just swells up like a pufferfish and then spits what looks like a you can see slime kind of a thing and honestly a small part of me was kind of upset that he was the only quote-unquote future alien that never made an appearance in omniverse but at this point was he really even necessary well i think also spittle came so late into ben 10 uh the original series that it's kind of like what was his debut like it's kind of like low impact well, to be fair, Ben 10,000 does have several aliens. These were just one of the three that actually got to make an actual appearance instead of a name appearance. I mean, I do agree with that. Uh, but Ben 10,000 changed so many different aliens when we saw the different variations of Ben 10,000 in Ben 10 class uh, original. It's kind of hard to... It, no one character that he had shine more like he was shown in his aliens. 
Well, that's the whole point of Ben 10,000. He, when he originally made his debut, he just stayed in the accelerate form to make sure to basically patrol the planet and then changed when he needed to. But the whole point of that episode essentially was to serve how Ben had to be a little more humanized by speaking with his, um, his other counterpart. So let's go to the ranking we have. Um, combatively speaking, we only has we gave him a one because he only has the one use every day. Same thing. Versatility same. Hazard we gave it a two because he could. It's been confirmed that he can slip on his own slime and can be electrocuted by it if uh, an electrokinetic user was within the area. And weakness kind of the same thing with lack of versatility, giving us a total combination of six. Yeah, at six basically spittles like at the bottom of the barrel but he represents what we as a collective thought what spittle actually was classified as i like spittle for what it was original character that seemed different from the other aliens but every other alien's also different so it's really hard to hard to say where you put him totem pole i mean other than him just spitting up i really don't see a practical use for it yeah i mean his practicality and you say it because even though ben 10 is a guy and identifies as such all the transformations are just blank slates which has been confirmed when gwen put out the omnitrix and they all had female versions of the alien she turns into so yeah can sit comfortably in number six yeah they don't have their own personalities way much later that's a totally different series uh number 21 upchuck kind of surprised me because upchuck is uh, actually a personal favorite I interesting character, yeah. but for starters, he's one of Ben's smaller aliens. Um, granted, Upchuck and the rest of the, the Gourmands, as they're called, do have a swarm gastronomy, so he can eat a lot more than aliens like, say, Edo or even Wrath if he has a big enough appetite. But even then, his is is basically an upgraded power of scanners. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because he has the power of trope that you eat anything and then transform that into power and use that combative. So that's why we gave a two in the combative field. I mean, it has been confirmed there are things Upchuck can't eat, like, say, everyday foods. Yeah. So it's just the more, or I guess that is possible that got broadconned in Omniverse. Yeah. But we know at least 10 year old gourmands, or at least relative to that of a human counterpart, can digest foods we can already digest so if your plan is to go into all you eat buffet turn into a garbage you're probably going to be disappointed yeah you have to be filled by eating regular food you have to eat others or other things so combatively speaking we gave him a two if upchuck really doesn't have anything to eat then he really doesn't have any firepower quote unquote everyday use again if you're like if your main job is to be a security guard or something or a bodyguard then otherwise if you're just an everyday person don't have much of a use for it so we're going to give it a 1.25 respectively uh versatility same thing hazards also versatility and hazard are both the one and weakness we felt like we gave it a two because other than the surrounding factor of it needing to eat something gourmands are rarely small by comparison to the other species that is able to turn into yeah and this was like a 6.25 so it really goes to show you that in all classification system for power scale Upchuck is one of the down plate, one of the low on the list. And you're probably wondering, which Upchuck are you referring to? We know there are two different subspecies thereof, but they both have the same abilities. So, Perk and Perk Upchuck are essentially tied for 21st. Oh, that's 21st. Uh, I have a fond memory for Upchuck. He was interesting compared to other areas. 
Awards, but interesting fact, it was not enough in this category. Unfortunately, no, but the 20th spot is definitely our biggest contender. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is way big, and uh, way big is kind of interesting because it's the colossal giant of the franchise in the original series. Well, when I said colossal, but like way taller than some site. Uh, what two? To the spike space or something like that? Two or three? Well, this is a problem I've definitely been noticing and not just Ben 10, but several other series is size consistency. It feels like half the time we can't tell how big he is, but he was at least at least kaiju level socks. Can we agree on that? Yeah, I do. And funny enough, he was actually based on Ultraman, as we see later on in Alien Force, as he does the L beats. Yeah, uh, with the size advantage, with also the energy blast, it has a really interesting feel when it fights, but that's also where it stops because it doesn't have enough abilities to be considered large on list. I mean, again, Waybig is arguably one of Ben's more powerful aliens, but that's yeah. the problem. He's too freaking big. Say you're at a house or inside a trailer park or any any building and you accidentally turn into a toku star you're gonna do some damage yeah but combative the best way way big would be used would be against a much larger opponent as proven many times with supersized vilgax supersized trumbipular uh a lot of the other giant-esque characters and so on and so forth so way big gets a comfortable eight uh two combatively one for an everyday use i honestly don't see the use of every of an everyday person turning into a freaking ka humanoid kaiju yeah but he also has a one weakness has one and the hazard is kind of hazard yeah interesting with hazard because he is so big so he's a hazard that everybody around him falls down steps around he's not careful where he's moving and he has huge uh, destruction factor in play as well. If it was a linking of Ben's strongest aliens, Waybig would at least be top 10 material, but yep. since it's not just in factoring that, we're going to give it a comfortable 8. Yeah. Surprisingly, very low weakness. I think the only weakness is him, like, what, tripping down? Pretty much, or I guess stepping on something. Yeah. So, even then, we got to give it a comfortable 8. Yeah. So one that ranks slightly above it was the first of the original 10 aliens, Ghost Freak. <laughs> I like Ghost Freak because it was interesting because it established, wasn't Ghost Freak also established as the villain that came out of the watch? Yes and no. Essentially, uh, for those of you that don't know how the Omnitrix works, it essentially scans the DNA of any particular alien, whether it be a Gourmand, whether it be a Toku Star, a Tetramand, a Kenesalaran, or in this case, an Ectoneurite. But the problem with Ectoneurites is, as long as there's one trace of DNA left, then that particular alien in question has a chance to survive. So pretty much think of Ghost Freak as like the alien version of Orochimaru. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And way big is the big Kawama. Oh, it too as well. Oh my gosh. But Ghost Freak does have, that's the big good weakness uh, Ghost Freak has. Sure, Ben was able to control Ghost Freak, but if an everyday person got hold of the Omnitrix, he would pro he, she, they, whatever pronoun you feel comfortable using, yeah, would probably fall victim to Ghost Freak's possessive nature. Yeah. Or is this scare as is officially can have been confirmed? Yeah, I do agree that Ghost Freak with its uh, existence of the DNA being a liability at any point can be pretty devastating on the use of the Omnitrix. That said, it does have the highest combative versatility so far. 
Um, phasing through walls, using its tendrils to grab onto things, uh, freaking shooting beams out of its chest, possessing other individuals, or at least those we one weak will enough, anyway. Yeah, FAD uses two. And we decided to give it a 2.25, actually. Otherwise, yeah. we would have had the same ranking as way big. True. So we decided to give Combative a 3, Everyday Use a 2.25, Versatility 1. I don't see the everyday person having a need to possess somebody or phase through doors. A Hazard, we gave it a 1.25, and the Weakness, a 2. And then pretty much the big weakness for Ghost Week is Sunlight. So that's why it has a two for weakness because it can exist through the daytime, but it has to exist in the shade to try to avoid direct sunlight. Well, no, that's just the scare. The scare's yeah. biggest weakness is sunlight. Ben as Ghost Freak is fine, but once you remove Ben, ectoneurites are vulnerable to sunlight. That's kind of the big weakness right there. Oh, okay. So Ben kind of overfights that weakness. Pretty much, just... yeah. Okay. So at we number seen him yet. Go, on. So, go ahead. No, what are you gonna say? I mean, yeah, the Ben does kind of serve like an anchor. Uh, we have seen him use it during the day, but he was Ghost Freak was one of the aliens we really didn't see much of in the original mm -hmm. series, considering how overpowered he naturally is. True, and also Ben thinking it'll not be able to console it was also a factor as well, so there was some hesitation there. It's true, but now we're gonna go to my opinion, my most, uh, one of my personal favorites, but heavily underrated aliens, Ripjaws. Yeah, I like Ripjaws. I, I think the design of Ripjaws was really cool, and it has like factors to take into consideration of a duality between water and land. It kind of does interesting attributes with that. Yeah, but then what I personally like about Ripjaws is the fact that we have a more realistic alien. I mean, we see freaking pieces of charcoal, a walking chandelier, an homage to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Then we have Ripjaws, who's more of a realistic alien. Like, if you saw this, you would believe that this creature naturally existed. True. I think the the anatomy of the alien itself was to be what we see as realistic in our terms. So it being realistic gives that like, oh, this is a freak creature. This is something to take into account. This is what we can see in like a special effects on the screen kind of deal we see in real life. Yeah, not uh, many of Ben's aliens can say that to the same degree Ripjaws have. Personally, what my favorite thing about him is that his legs kind of merge to become like a mermaid fin. I've always enjoyed that to some degree. Mm, true. He has a really interesting design, but his combative build is only like two. Yeah, but that's one of those right, if he's in the right location, then he's an absolute powerhouse. But for, if you put him in pretty much any other location, He's borderline useless, and I say borderline because a lot of times when Ripjaws is activated, it's just to show that he really needs water to survive. Yeah. And they kind of make it like one of those gag moments to say. True. If he's not in an aquatic environment to actually swim and actually be able to interact with actually what his power set is for. And then being on land, he needs, like, I think they see it as, in the show, they need to put water on him so he don't dry out. I thought he says enough hydration in general. Like, if it's in a more humid area, he would probably dehydrate. But if it's in a place that, if it's, like, raining somewhere, then he could probably breathe just fine. As long as he enough, has enough water to breathe. So, basically think of Ripjaws as like Abe Sapien from the Hellboy franchise, except with claws and fangs. True. 
everyday use was like a 1.5 because of his ability and uniqueness to water um versatility is a one because he only thrives in the water and then keep in mind there is a lot of there is very interesting jobs you can do with using the water as your attribute but in daily life versatility is kind of weak when it comes to uh battlefield games well, I mean, granted, the Earth is made out of 70% water, but how many areas are surrounded by enough water? Like, unless you live in a freaking archipelago, or if you live right on the coast, then Ripjaws would be your ideal alien. But otherwise, if you live in somewhere like, say, the middle of Oregon or something, Ripjaws is probably not the alien for you. Yeah. So we kind of gave it a soft three at the hazard and the weakness it's like unless you're in an area that has enough water for him to breathe and or stay hydrated you're he's kind of shit out of luck like if you activate rip jaws in the middle of the sahara desert you're screwed yeah because the dry heat just dries sucks out any water you know makes you evaporate so with that, we give Rip Jaws, while our pers one of our personal favorites of the original franchise, a solid 8.5. I think Rip Jaws definitely deserves that. What's now keep in mind, Rip Jaws, my opinion, if we were doing a favorites list, put up higher. But I think I understand the reasoning why we ranked it this way based on our categories, how we know Rip Jaws applied to Alien and Vinton. So with that, we give Rip Jaws a comfortable 8.5. Next, we have the uh, an alien who's actually kind of funny in my opinion because yeah. he made his debut before the other future aliens did. Although at the time we didn't know it as a uh, alien bed would eventually have. True. Uh, it's Buzzshot. Uh, kind of funny with Buzzshot. The way he was introduced is the episode where they're in a bit, where they're in a town, all the Buzzshots are wreaking havoc on the electrical system, but they feed off the electric grid and they can multiply, I think no, those multiple ones, and they can, they were a huge hassle to deal with. They are, and it's one of those, unless you have full master control of every alien in the Omnitrix, I honestly don't see the everyday person making good use of it. I mean, it's easily the most versatile I would say the most interesting alien we have so far, much like um, Upchuck and yeah, much like Upchuck, one of the smaller aliens, but definitely an absolute paradox. Well, uh, for Buzzshot, we gave combative ability three just because the persistence of electronics and electricity is so relevant in modern society that it can do really good in battle based when you have a surrounding of your power source. For you Transformers fans out there, basically think of Buzzshock as like Kremzeek from the original Generation 1 series. Okay. The everyday use is very useful, in my opinion, because this, you have HVAC, you have electrician, you can literally fix, you know, if you have a power out, the power can go back on. There's different things you can do with electricity that Buzzshock can have a role to play in that field. Uh, versatility in battle, specifically, is one. Not versatility in everyday use, but versatility as a whole. Well, keep in mind the fact that if you live somewhere like, say, Amish country, yeah. Which kind of similar to the whole Rip Jaws being a situational alien. I honestly don't see much use for it. Like if you're in it, but problem with human society is that a lot of it does rely on electricity. And as such would be an ideal place for uh, a Nosdenian such as Buzzshock. Yeah, uh, it has a hands up too. And this situation is pretty, you know, but one being the, what, 
the worst hazard. Two is like pretty up there when it's being very hazardous to other people and other surroundings. Damage to electricity, damage find the entire electric system. Uh, those, if they multiply, they get really out of hand. So having multiple is also hazardous as well. Definitely a unique alien. I love the fact that he looks like a humanoid battery, honestly. Oh, that was a nice touch. I like the element of mischief. When it was introduced, it was just mischievous everywhere. Like the alien, all it did was just go into different electronics, just keep going and cause more damage to the town. It was actually kind of enlightening to see. It was like a different break of the episode. You're not wrong on that. But again, I think it really does pay homage to Generation 1's Transformers Kremsey. The only thing that really looks different about them is the design, but the overall concept is there. Small yep. electrical, intangible character that just keeps multiplying. Yep. It can just cause havoc. And weakness is being at one. The only super weakness I see is the access to water. So, you know, well, what dog... water and say so an, air, an animal or not animal, sorry, an alien, like say a uh, feedback or amphibian or any electrico electric uh, in English today. Electric kinetic alien absorbs uh their energy, then they don't have enough uh, energy. They eventually just crash. Yeah, pretty much. Because they need the electricity to thrive. So that's why Buzzshot got a total of nine in all respective categories for all score on this list. I mean, I personally would have liked to seen more of Buzzshot in the original and the uh, the two following series, but they were trying to make it the sequels uh, more serious and Buzzshot was not the best alien to do so. But he did find a humble home in Benton Omniverse, so take with that with a grain of salt. True, even though Benton Omniverse is kind of interesting. Uh, interesting in what regard? Oh, it's interesting that it reintroduces some characters, but it also has, like, different other, different applications to the Benton universe. Well, what do you mean? Well, it has different applications to, like, how it does different, pick different original aliens, have the different color, cause the different color designs, different, uh, a matrix, you know, where the, where the, the symbol is, and the changes they did in that respective season, it feels like it's still been 10, but totally different in the, in the Bellwood setting. It really explored Bellwood really cool. Well, I mean, didn't the, re the Alien Force and, um, what you call it, Ultimate Alien essentially do that? Uh, they spent some time in Bellwood, but not like in like the underground, like Benton Omnibus takes Bellwood as like the epicenter everything. But Benton Alien and Alien Force were different places throughout the episode. Bellwood when they went back to chill, but there was more episodes where Omniverse was in Bellwood than, let's say, Alien Force or Ultimate Alien. Uh, okay, I definitely see that. And we did see more uses of the aliens we normally didn't see. And honestly, I'm kind of glad they wrote out a fast track. He's yeah. just basically discount accelerate. <laughs> True. I, I don't, I can't disagree with that statement. No, I think we can. But as far as our next alien, uh, we got the first alien ever to make an appearance, Heat Blast. Yeah, I have a really strong weapons with Heat Blast. Because not only we see it episode in its debut but we also see how if you do the transformation into an alien and you don't know exactly what that alien does you have to navigate 
Google, how it does its power set, how to use that alien transformation to its full capability. It takes time to do the training with fighting the different forms that the, uh, the Matrix gives you. You're not wrong on that, but I think that episode in which he made his appearance kind of just proves the point that he is definitely one of the more hazardous aliens. The guy's a literal walking briquette. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shit. Oh gosh, fire was spreading everywhere, especially if you don't know how to control it. Even if you're doing the fighting, it's still hard to control. Because you have to be not always aware, situational aware it's not there when you're fighting, because you have to use the energy fire type blast to your enemy. That's how it fights. Well, I mean, that's his stick. He's basically Ben's answer to the human torch. <laughs> True, but except for, well, except for like flying with your arms, you have to like create, what, what, a magnum rock we see in later in like Ultimate Alien, an alien? Uh, I, no, they did it in the original series. Okay. But I, I think that's Alan that started using yeah. that. It was like half Ken Solaren, but yeah. that, yeah, and it's funny. It's like, oh, my dad is part alien. It's like, it kind of makes me wonder how that would have worked. I mean, granted, there are some humanoid aliens out there. I honestly don't have any issues with that. But how it worked, that's one thing I never noticed. Until eventually, it quote-unquote got retconned by, um, by, uh, what was that character's name? Do you remember? Mm, I'm not sure which character you're referring to. You know, the one that made, uh, the event kids. The Death Star? Dark Star? No, in Omniverse. The one that was, like, part, uh, Brainstorm's alien. Oh, I don't know his name by the top of my head. But yeah, he was basically gene splicing humans mm -hmm. with alien DNA. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, he blasts as interesting as an impaired brilliant. Which has been like the highest ranking of combative ability on this list thus far, and other ones have a similar combative ability as well. Um, but keep in mind, because it has a high compatibility, it also has other areas where it's lower end. Well, you're not wrong on that, but the overall thing is that it, it cuts kind of like the Hulk in the way. Hulk yeah. is arguably one of the strongest Avengers, but there's a hazard with Hulk. The property damage caused along with it. Yeah, that's why we gave the hazard category for Heat Blast two it's almost a one but it's like big enough effect that it would take on most of the battlefield if facial awareness how you perceive your enemy and people around you is taken into effect uh everyday use has uh two as well and uh versatility is a two you know not you can do a lot with, with fire nope metal um factory water versatility is interesting because that's still that's that feel that you can weld the electricity you know impact kind of has a, a factor like cooking who knows he might be actually really good at cooking because he's a heat force himself i mean that's kind of faulty logic that's like saying, oh, I have a gun. I must be a great marksman. <laughs> Basically, he's a human energy source, so the versatility goes high because he can be used in such so many different energy applications. He's free energy when you think about it, because heat turns into steam. You can put the steam into water and also have, like, set to fire and already have a catalyst to use. I mean, definitely one of the more versatile aliens, but definitely one of the most harmful ones. Yeah. With that question. And he has so much low weakness on the scale as well. Uh, he's at one. He's pretty weak to water. Well, water or anything that can snuff out fire. Yep. And, and it's so, fire. I guess that's, and also the fact that he can hurt others. Yeah. Where he has to be very selective about where he uses this alien, if he hasn't mastered it already. Or I guess this can go for any other person that decides to wield an Omnitrix. True. So in the meantime, uh, we're going to have to give Heat Blast a comfortable 16th spot for best alien. Yep. 11 in all the categories.
Well, not all the characters, the total. Yeah. But yeah. Eleven. So next we got Cannonbolts. Right. Cannonbolts interesting because it has basically the armadillo effect going in a ball, but you move at high speed in that shape and you're constantly toning and has an interesting fighting style with it. Well, yeah, I mean, what I personally like about um, Cannonballs is the fact that Grandpa Max brought up to the fact that if there's another alien in there, who knows how many more are there? So by the end of the original continuity, Ben had like, I want to say 60 some odd aliens in his arsenal. Yeah, Cannonball was actually used but good a bit, if I recall. It had a different, it had an interesting versatility to it. Maybe put it as well you're not wrong about that but i think it's one of those uh situations like in, in any tool or for that matter and i do say tool because cannonball is basically a blank slate of this respective alien species it's up to the user yeah and with it being cannibal it had a combative ability at 3.5 so it actually has a decent capability of battling and being a a good alien to fight that's a little I mean, it's definitely one of the more basic designs, honestly, but yeah. easily one of the more interesting turnouts. And I do like find it funny that he was the first of the original aliens to get an ultimate form. Basically, just gave it spikes to make it go faster. Yeah. Every day use, I see this being at three because it has a really interesting issue. You can move at such a high speed, generate the energy around you. If people want to use ocean as the kinetic energy source for something else. Also, you have... Like people have access to that kind of technology. No, but I thought it was kind of cool having the spinning effect. Because I think when I did the lore video of the planet, they were actually going in speed races. With ex they actually collaborated with uh, Accelerate and gave them giant balls to go into. So that was interesting. Well, I mean, before the plan was destroyed, respectively. Yeah. And also, every day, you just traveling around, you could be a delivery system for basically free, you know, in town, of course, not be far distance. But you can give really quick. So there's various uses for everyday use. Honestly, here's the one thing I've never really understood about Cannonball, and I guess any character that can transform into a ball and roll out, how can they tell where they're going? That's the one thing I never understand, whether it's Cannonball, a Don fan from the Pokemon series, or Rollout Boy. I never understood how they can actually find where they're going. Um, I think they have like a spatial awareness of where they're going, but there is aspects of where characters are proven they don't necessarily know. There's plenty of times where Cannonball is stopped and then thrown off course. Cannonball does better while on the ground because it feels where it's going, but once it's not on the ground, it actually has lack of awareness. So it's kind of like top seismic awareness situation yeah I, I think they have a feeling where they're going they have a direction they also can change that direction and you see a lot of control with the alien they use it okay that's definitely fair but for the remaining categories we gave it a solid too because cannon bolt is a literal powerhouse that can just demolish buildings yeah it's hazards really high and its weakness is also something to take consideration too because it only takes an unstoppable force or equal force to stop it. So strength plays a factor. Diverting its roller to somewhere else. Taking off the ground can be a big impact to its fighting style. You're not wrong on that, but honestly, Cannonball is basically a one-trick pony. True, 
And sometimes one-trick ponies also have a weakness to capitalize on. There's not enough skill set to have a variation, as I call it. True, but until then, we're just going to give it a comfortable 12.5. Yep, I agree with that one. The number 14, we have Strike, Or as the original fans may know it, uh, it was Ben Victor when he originally got it. Yeah, the character was Ben Victor. I think we get Frankenstrike in, the, in later in the series, the actual species. Uh, yeah, he's a Transylvanian, I believe. Obviously near Transylvania, the whole subsequent monster movie genre. But much. but I honestly like that this is a different take on the classic Frankenstein or Frankenstein trope. And he was called Ben Victor, obviously after Victor from Siskier's yeah. assistant, who is a Transylvanian himself. Yeah, it not only does it have strength and durability and endurance, but it also has electricity that it has in its back. The back. Battery cells? The towers? Well, many like many of the species that exist within franchises, um, I guess Frankenstrike's biology, I guess, would be best considered as biomechanical. Oh, okay. Kind of similar to how Frankenstein's reanimated back to life. Electricity and different parts of being that stitched together. So it makes sense for Frankenstrike design to have some aspects of that original design. I mean, I personally think Omniverse took it too far with the literal stitches. Yeah, I think Omniverse also had a really interesting upscale of how they presented the characters. So there was a lot of individual design in the characters and how they want the world to look like. Yeah, I mean, it was a little too cartoonish, for my opinion. But honestly, not a bad alien, all things considered. However, being such a huge alien that he is and very destructive, I don't see the everyday person using this unless he was like, say, a police officer or a bouncer at a club or something. But competitive, easily one of the best ones we've seen so far. Oh, yeah. And competitive, we gave it a four. But it's very versatile in that combative ability that makes it such a devastating force. That only do you have the strength, but you also have the long range attack blood. Electricity, so they can keep the toe with lo- close range and long range, and sometimes mid range, depending on the distance. Yeah, but he's not as versatile as many of the other aliens, so we're gonna have to give it a comfortable two for versatility, two for everyday use, and a weakness tip. Yeah, his hazard's very high, but it's actually pretty middle at three. Uh, we don't usually have a middle hazard in this category because yes he can do electricity around him about other people but he also has control of that electricity better than bug shock in that degree well it's more bioelectrical yeah thing it's it's like he can only control the electricity within his body so he's basically the love child of frankenstein and pikachu (laughs) oh gosh oh that did not play a good image but for the meantime, we're just going to have to give Frankenstrike a comfortable 14th spot. Yep, 13 in all the categories. Well, again, not all the categories. You mean the total category. Yeah, the total category for the number system. So now we get to uh, number 13 and number 12. Before we get to number 12, we have to go to number 13. Um, I think this is a go-to alien for Ben. Uh, forearms. Forearms has really good recognition in the branding and the original Benton series. Honestly, I wasn't really a fan of the name, especially when we find out what his species name is, Tetramant, which literally translates to four hands. True. Do you think four hands would have been better than four arms? No, I just think that's too cut and dry for a name, honestly. But to be fair, Finn was a kid when he first had the Omnitrex, and since four arms was one of the original ten, kind of makes sense that a kid would name it four arms. 
Yeah, I don't disagree with that one. I don't know. Oh, and it's funny. Like, remember when Al uh, Ben 10, Alien Force, and Ultimate Alien, where you start seeing the names of the aliens, so you remember which ones they were? Mm, not the top of my head, no. Not to me. Well, but he turned into an alien and then said the name of that alien. Oh, yeah, he would turn into that alien. Say it. Like, can, can you imagine him doing this and he's with other Tetramans? And yes, that's the species' names. Goes forearms. Like, really? That's the best name you could have come up with? Yeah, I remember that reaction when they actually had a Tetraman in the show as a villain against Vilgax as a hunter, I believe. They didn't like the name. They kind of scoffed at it when he kind of said the phrase forearms. I mean, it's an obvious reason as to why it would be four arms. He's a freaking 12-foot alien with four humongous arms. Yeah, but like four arms is also... Like, they have a wonderful heritage. And I think having a name that symbolizes the warrior side or the fighting side would be probably better. But they went to the obvious choice here. Well, I mean, keep in mind, this, this was before we even got to the concept of lores for all the aliens out there. True. But yeah, uh, four arms has a respective uh capability of fighting combative at four. Oh, easily one of the most versatile combative users out there everyday use i mean if we kept forearm strength but he was like the size of a everyday person we'd obviously rank it a lot higher as far as say as hazard goes but since he's like what 10 12 feet tall yeah we he's like kinda, a giant. pretty much yeah so we kind of have to give him twos for hazard weakness versatility easily one of the strongest most versatile aliens but that's not enough for it to be saved from the bottom tier granted high bottom but still bottom yeah uh, every day use really good category for full arms as well because not only do you have multiple arms to do multiple you know tasks if you're doing like one arm tasks or two arm tasks stuff like that but you also have the strength factor to lift up a lot of stuff so lifting is not a problem uh also being able to let's say you need to hold up four different items at one time you have four arms to do it with very good strength so well i mean keep in mind each arm is strong by itself yeah, it doesn't necessarily need to or have, oh, I'm going to use strong items, so I need all four of them, or I, I can just use two of them, or I can just use three of them. But yeah, four hands is always a good factor, in my opinion. Yeah, we also see, I think, one or two arms lift up a car with ease. Yeah, that's easily a one-arm thing for forearms. Yeah, I feel like forearms would be really good in construction, just because of the nature of it. Or deconstruction, for that matter. Yeah, <laughs> it could destroy the entire complex. And you don't have to put much resources into it and demolition. No, it's basically just a leg day for forearms. Yeah, and it gets paid. It's like, here, we're giving you like 500 stipend. You can use this to buy whatever you want. And that's cheaper than you know, give him a payway for a single project and give everyone else, I don't know, weeks of demolition. True, so that'd be definitely a more useful regard. But like many of the other aliens we've seen, it is kind of hazardous in an everyday situation, considering that if you activate him inside of a house or a car or any other confined area, he do some damage. So until then, Forearm sits, unfortunately, at a unlucky 13. Yeah, five. It's fine. Like, the score is almost close together, though. 14 and 13.5 kind of funny and they're two of the biggest aliens within the original content original series oh yeah so the last category for the last alien transformation that we're talking about stink fly this actually surprised me of being like the top contender of the of part one of the aliens ranked from 22 to 12 do you have any take on it for stink fly granted 
he was the first of Ben's flying aliens. Um, but, I mean, the fact that he shoots sliming projectiles, it kind of reminds me of, did you see the 2012 incarnation of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle franchise? Yeah, I did. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of Baxter Sockman when he was a fly. Uh. But I do like the 360 degree range they gave his eyes to, because I've always liked that about him, and the fact that he's got a freaking harpoon for a tail. True, but he can't carry much weight on his back, so he was very restrictive for who he can carry if he will carry someone at all. Yeah, but it's also one of those realistic aliens, in the sense where we actually see his wings getting wet, he's going to be unable to fly. True. Not to mention that his goop that he shoots from his eyes and pretty much any other orifice from his body can be neutralized by bug lizard fog. Yeah, I do agree with that. So to be fair, the natural enemy or predator of stinkfly species. True, and usually takes a lot of them together to go against them. Yeah, which again, kind of serves as Ben turns into a Leoptodopteran and a group of other ones. Like, stinkflies, like, really? That's what you think of us? <laughs> yeah. And competitive ability is only at 2.5 in this category, so that's the reason for it doesn't do well with a lot of, like, strength attacks going against it. It can be pulled down, long-range attacks can hit it. It has flying, and it has this, you know, the tail action and the advantage of seeing, and the goop, and, you know, the, you know, the asset nature, but it's also is kind of okay. I wouldn't say it's the best, but it does have some strength over other people. It can no, but every day used you can just fly like you know what i don't feel like driving today turn into sting fly boom you fly to work yeah you know if he can carry more weight on his back he'll probably be like a 4 or 4.5 in everyday use because he has a limited factor how much he can carry pretty much just flying in general is really advantageous so that's why we gave it 3.5 well that's kind of also why i really i like stink fly it's one of those more realistic approaches to aliens i mean granted we see aliens that are made just for the show but then there are those that actually look like they could actually exist stink fly and rip draws of course being two of them and also keep in mind, Stankfly could be like a, a hybrid of different species put together. And then... Well, no, Stankfly oh, is... Yeah. No, Stankfly is its own species. It's just that their biology looks similar yeah. to several different species we have on Earth. Yeah. You now, it's like how a griffin is its own animal, but it looks like it's part lion and part eagle. Yeah. Also, Stankfly has a good versatility. That's why, you know, we put it as a, as a, a two. It's just pretty versatile as a as a whole with the flying but also it's good but not great yeah and it's kind of the same thing and weakness not one of ben's stronger aliens definitely one for a quick retreat as well ben 10,000 engines like oh if you need something for a quick retreat i gave you accelerate and stink fly well that is kind of funny that he does point that in that direction yes you're not wrong on that but also ben 10,000 also has so much transformation uh, awareness that he, he picks up and such battle experience to be able to classify each alien so when he goes into those transformations he can really use the best one for that situation. True, but I think Stinkfly is a good alien to finish off on. The first of the original 10, but honestly a solid okay alien once we see the other flyers in Ben's various arsenal. But since we're focusing on the original series aliens, Stinkfly is a good way to leave off. Yeah, I think it has an interesting perception. We went from um, Spitter all the way to Stinkfly in that categories from 22 to 12. That's respectively what? 11 aliens? Well, considering that there are 22 and 11 is half of 22, yes, 11 aliens. I think 
we have a good part one to how Benton's original series of alien transformations work within our power scaling of the system. I had really been wrong on that. And part two, I'm really excited to do with you and actually have that we even have even more explanations, even more crazier aliens. Right, because a walking briquette and a walking chandelier aren't crazy enough. <laughs> no, it's not. Even more crazy, because now you're in later in the series, you're getting more transformations as the original series, you know, coming together. And then more right. crazy. Well, Bobby, well, I hope our viewers enjoyed that. But in the meantime, thanks so much for having me. Thank you, guys. And uh, Geek with Taro is one his own podcast. He was the one that came to me for this collaboration. Thank you so much for me being a part of this collaboration with you, sharing my passion of Ben 10 with you, and doing this series as a whole. And that kind of also inspired your other system. Think the Tournament of the Power Tournament of Characters? It was Tournament of Power, and this was something I've been hearing for a while. It's a special I'm doing every so episodes. I do a special, like my 50th special, I did a Squid Game Challenge where I had my guests, sponsors, uh, regular listeners, etc, etc, make a character who they felt would best win the Squid Game. I mean, if you'd like to find out who that is, feel free to tune in. Um, I'm available on Spotify and Anchor. Yep. And uh, this concludes Ben 10 original series, Alien Transformations Part 1. And Part 2 is going to be on Geek with Tylo, so stay tuned for that episode. Alright guys, this is MC Anime signing off, and you can find us on YouTube and other podcast directories. We're on Spotify as well. We also have www.mcanimepodcast.com. This concludes this episode. Any final takes, Tyler? Honestly, I can't wait to discuss the uh, other 11 uh, um, aliens with you. Yeah, that's really exciting. And this was a lot of fun too. Uh, bye guys. This concludes another episode of MC Anime Podcast. MC Anime Podcast is available on podcast directories like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. We also have our website at mcanimepodcast.com. If you want to directly support us, then follow Patreon blog MC Anime. Finally, if you want services for hire, then we're available on Fiverr for audio and video production, graphic design, idea consulting, and blog and article writing. 